It's all connected. This is the RussJohnson.com podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Baby. It's all connected at RussJohnson.com. Hello, I'm Russ Johnson. Glad you're here. And I'd love to hear from you. I really do. I would love to hear your spiritual stories or your paranormal experience or anything in that neighborhood. You have two ways to contact me. You can call me, leave it on a recorded line at 864-259-2599. Or if you would like to be interviewed for this podcast, reach out to me on my website at rushjohnson.com. Just scroll down to the bottom of the page. Well, today I had an interesting conversation with Mike Strasbaugh. Mike is truly an interesting person. He has three master's degrees. He had a rare disease that he conquered, and it really shaped the person that he became. And most recently, he did a TED Talk, among other things. This guy's really busy. And we're going to kick off this conversation where I started to tell him how I saw him and then ask him how he saw himself. Let's get right to it. When I think of you, I think of energy off the charts. You have confidence, which is in abundance. You're super smart and you're cocky. How do you see yourself? Super smart. Well, am I smart in, do do I have a lot of music skill? Well, sure. If you have three master's degrees in something, you're going to know your stuff. And I think you would be considered an expert in the field. Um, And I'll get back to that in a second. But I want to address first the confidence slash cockiness thing. Could it come across as cocky? Absolutely. Especially these days when, and this is, it's not a sidebar. It's kind of factored right into the conversation. Um, Especially these days in a, in a social, social media world, it's almost like we're not supposed to see ourselves in a good light. We're supposed to be super modest and say, oh, I'm, I'm okay at what I do and yada, yada. But no, I've, I've worked really, really hard wow. just to be able – I mean just to, just to stay alive, right. let alone be good at music, which has been taken away many times. And at one point for almost 10 years where I couldn't play – couldn't do anything musically and to get it all back and to one earn the master's degrees while working 50 hours a week, you know, going through a divorce, yada, yada. That does make, I am proud of that. Yeah, and man. I look at that objectively on paper. And I think, you know what, if that was somebody else that wasn't named me that, that I'm not looking in the mirror at, I would say, wow, that guy's pretty badass. Just he's a survivor and he did all this cool stuff. And now he teaches that's really cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm really confident. Cocky, no. And in fact, I would say because of my disease, it, it's, again, it's called my disease. It's called common variable immunodeficiency. Mm-hmm. And it's genetic, so you've always got it. Um, I wasn't diagnosed until 36. And from 24 to 36, you, it, it strips everything. Um, it steals who you are, what you are, and you become the disease. And so cockiness, it's kind of beaten out of you because you know you're powerless. Yeah, let me say and something. So it really is. I'm, I'm, I yeah, hate that you took that in a negative way because it was really uh, a compliment. Oh, um, it's, like, well, it's like saying, you know, when you have so much confidence, you know, you can strut mm-hmm. your stuff and you're not afraid to strut. But I do understand why you you might be offended by that word. It is a little strong, but there is a bit of that in you from afar. Oh, 
Absolutely. No, and I'll tell you right now, Russ, I didn't take it like negatively at all. In fact, I, I rarely do. It's really hard for me to get insulted. I can tell. Just based on what I was just saying, like people can people can say all kinds of horrible stuff. I'm human. It's going to sting because I'm not ever going to pretend I'm, I'm, I'm anything other than human. But I didn't really take it negatively. Good. Even if people say it that way, and I didn't think you did, because it's such an easy thing to explain that, nah, cockiness, no. Confident, sure. But you are right. It Does it sound like it? Oh, you bet. Because I'm never going to say something like, oh, I'm okay at music. No, I'm really good. Right, and yeah. If, yeah. And if I'm if I'm a student or if I'm just a consumer, anybody on a podcast or anything, I'm going to hear something like that. And I'm going to have one or two somewhat visceral reactions. I mean, they're going to think, oh, that guy's cocky, gross, because that's this knee jerk reaction. Just societally, we're kind of we're kind of uh, uh, taught to have or I'm going to think, yeah, I want somebody who says they're good at their craft yeah. to to express that confidence. And that's a big part of it. And that's kind of built into, for instance, when I speak to prospective clients, I don't want to come across as saying me, 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 but I do want to come across as saying I, as a teacher am insanely confident that not only do I know my stuff, but I convey it in such a way where my students will learn. Even if it's just on my podcast, people will hear it and go, Hey, I, I like this guy's style because I trust him. He seems credible. All of that comes across as cocky or confident, whatever. And hey, listen, when you look at your like uh, resume, it looks sweet, though. I mean, you said it. You have three masters. You have uh, in yeah. guitar. You've taught at yep. colleges. I mean, you just mm-hmm. did a TED talk, and you're launching yep. a podcast. I mean, you're an impressive dude. I, you know what, Russ? I think so too. I do, <laughs> and no, I do, and I wish, dude. And I do this with my students. I, I do this with just my friends. I, I, I want them to. When they look in the mirror, when they're discussing their business or anything, I want them to feel the same way. And I want people to say the same thing. Like, yeah, I'm maybe I'm not the best guitar player or whatever they might think, but damn it, I'm really good. And music is not easy. And so the fact that my students are doing it or sticking with it, I want them to have that. It's not a chip on your shoulder, but it's almost like a shoulder pad. Like they can take a hit and say, you know what? I'm really good. I, I dedicate my time to this. I do feel good about myself because, yeah. I mean, duh, we all should. And you should. We all should. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, let's talk about your podcast in a second. But I do want to say that well, we became friends. We met in a podcast mastermind. Uh, we, we became Facebook friends. And then I put a filler out on my private Facebook page just asking people that anyone who had had a near-death experience that I would like to have them on this podcast. And so that's why we're talking now. But you did just release your podcast. What's the name of it and what's your goal there? Okay, so my podcast is simply The Strasbaugh Show. Uh, Strasbaugh, S as in Sam, T as in Tom, R-A-U-S as in Sam, B-A-U-G-H, Strasbaugh Show. Everybody knows that. Everybody. Well, see, you know what, though, Russ? I, yeah. I Obviously, I mean, obviously it's, it's a joke, but nobody knows that. And so it's a gamble. And so, but, but just like on the podcast, as Sam would have said, you know, the, the artwork, it's going to have the name of the show in it. People will see it. It will be visually identifiable. The premise of the show, I mean, as you just stated, like it just started. And so it's going to morph. I'm going to have to get my feet wet and, you know, it's going to feel a little weird at first. I know the first few episodes are just going to be, well, 
they're going to be a little rough around the edges, which is good because you got to get there first. But at first, ideally, it will be really front loaded with lots of guitar slash music, really anything that goes with music. Um, I don't actually have three master's degrees in guitar. One of them is in guitar, in classical guitar, but the others are in uh, music composition and wow. jazz. And so nice. symphonic pieces, string quartets, all that stuff. And then, you know, jazz, big bands. So how much do you play per day? Um, well, <laughs> many days right now, not at all, oh. which bums me out. As a kid, when you have time, I, I would get home from school and pick up the guitar and look up at the clock and it's eight hours later. Wow. But that was being a kid in the 80s. It's a very different world. Wow. Now, I don't get a lot of time, so I have to I have to be more effective. I mean, luckily, I know how to do that now. So my practice or my 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 guitar time is very limited, but it's very focused. Like I I share with my students constantly. I never practice because if I pick up a guitar, I don't consider it practice. I consider it play, even though I am technically practicing. If I have a guitar in my hands, I'm just I'm overwhelmed with joy. I'll just put it that way. So it doesn't feel like practice. You ever sleep with it? But not very much. Yeah, go ahead. You ever sleep with it? No, 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 no. <laughs> no weirdo. No, I, just I think I'm not listening to that passionate about something. I wouldn't be. I bet Eddie Van Halen slept with his guitar. Well, see, when you reach a point, though, I don't actually need the guitar in my hands to practice. Okay. Um, because I'm like, when I go to sleep, though, a lot of times, yeah, I am just laying and I'm, I'm running through musical passages, musical scenarios, conundrums to have that I have to solve. Yeah, I'm doing that mentally all the time, all the time. Sitting at a stoplight, I'm practicing in my head. Wow. That's a master. That's what mm -hmm. you do when you get your master's, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, man, let's Absolutely. get into this. Let's talk about your near-death experience. What led up to that? And uh, if you can describe as much detail as you can, I am so curious about this stuff. I, I have my own theories about what's going on here, and I would love to hear your theories as well. So the floor is yours, man. Tell your story. All righty. All right. So with common variable immunodeficiency, again, it's genetic. So over time, your immune system gets worse and worse. And so that's when these these near-death experiences start to happen. There's always, obviously there's always the first one and which was a week after graduating with my bachelor's degree to the day, um, which was, so May 11th, 1996 was my first near-death experience. Um, Cause I, I remember that day because I remember the day I graduated college. Um, there have been a total of seven. I actually miscounted on my Ted talk cause I forgot one of them, but we'll go with the first one. Because that was the most profound. I, mean, I was a 24-year-old kid. Um, graduated college with my BA in classical guitar. Uh, way back in 1996, on May 4th, it was a Saturday. One week later, I was in the ER all day. Very weak and jaundiced, you know, very yellow. Really weak blood pressure. Wow. Didn't know what was going on. And after, you know, 12-ish hours of blood tests and questions and yada, 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 of, you know, every kind imaginable the er physician and I, I realize this now many years later they're trained to be this way but he was very calm because obviously they want to keep you calm uh er physician is telling me that my body is displaying uh, something called hemolytic anemia and what that means is your, your your spleen is killing off all of your red blood cells and is doing it really really fast oh, um and you need those so i was basically just suffocating and my, my body was doing it to oh me. Oh, my goodness. That's one yep. of the worst ways. 
Oh, it was, well, it wasn't great. I'll tell you. Um, But I'll be honest, the ways that would happen later, the uh, viral encephalitis, sepsis, that was by far worse. Um, But this one here was the first one, obviously. Um, I couldn't tell you which of these or on which of these I was closest to death. But after a certain point, it kind of doesn't matter um, because you're there. And when the doctor is looking you in the face as a 24-year-old kid and he's saying hemolytic anemia, and then he immediately follows it up with, uh, well, I asked him, should I call my parents and say goodbye? And he said, Mr. Strasbaugh, you might want to do that. So I called my parents. I was a 24-year-old kid. Uh, and my parents were divorced by this point. So this is two individual phone calls to both of my parents to say, mom, dad, the doctor says that you know, I, I I should probably call you and say goodbye. My body's doing this, hemolytic anemia, yada, yada. And that's that's all I remember about it in terms of the conversation. But what I really remember the most is that was the first time where in my near-death experience, because this would happen several more times, because it's a little too real and it's, it's, it's happening right now. Um, it's kind of like a car accident. Like you're, you're you driving see? along. What was that? Yeah. What were you seeing? Um, I didn't see, in fact, I th- even send this, I think on the Facebook group, it's not that I saw a tunnel or anything like any of the, any of the, the stories, nothing like that, nothing at all. And in fact, I think, Perhaps because mentally I wasn't ready to go. No idea. I mean, I certainly can't nail this down with any kind of you know, conclusive nature. So but you, did you have any consciousness in that moment? Yeah, it's weird. It was almost subconsciousness in that it was a complete, and I know, and I know this feeling because it has happened several times where my mind, it just dissociates. And all of a sudden, all of the stuff that's, that this doctor is saying to you, it's like you're watching a movie and it's happening to somebody else. That's what it feels like in a really, really weird, surreal way. So Go did ahead. it look like when he's, he's asking these questions, <clears throat> it, did it feel like you were outside of your body watching the conversation or you was, he was looking into your eyes, but you felt as if it was uh, some another person? That the what you just said, the latter part of what you just said was exactly it. Yep. So I'm like a little it's like I'm a little observer inside, like inside this guy's head. And I'm peering out through his eyes like they're windows. And I'm listening to a doctor tell a story or talk to somebody. It's like like if you're watching a movie and they're looking at the camera, talking to the camera, but I'm just watching it. That's what it was like. Um, Yeah, this was a, a chemical experience or a spiritual experience. Who's to say such things are separated? I wonder what your gut tells you it was. Well, you and I have discussed a bit about this. The, the spiritual, call it spirit, call it psycho, call it psyche, call it universal energy, whatever it actually is. Let's talk about that. I know this is hard. What are your spiritual beliefs? What, what do you think that is? What do you think? Yeah. What do you think that? That what? Okay. Yeah, that like the capital T. What do I think yeah, that it. is? I call it it. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Well, it's it's going to sound like a cop out, but it's really not. And when I say I don't know, I mean that in a really like in a conclusive way. Like I don't know. You've never pondered it. Yeah, well, no, well, I do, but I'm not. 
And perhaps because of the, I mean, having a disease like this, it does change the way you think about everything because this disease is one in 50,000. So if you get a disease like this, you think well, early on, you stop thinking things like, why me? But then you start thinking, huh, why me? From a different perspective, you're like, wow, then everything is statistical. I don't know what's going on. Nobody does. This weird disease I've got a couple of years ago, it would have been unexplained. It would have been magic. And this starts this, this snowball effect of thoughts. You're like, huh, well, it kind of explains religion in a lot of ways. Why this? Why this? And you just keep asking questions and you continue to ponder why such that you start thinking, yeah, there's no way that I can ever nail it down because if I'm right – the chances of me being right in what I think are so slim. Maybe I'm right about 0.0001%. Maybe I'm right about zero. Maybe I'm 100% right that there's a God named Yahweh or yada yada, whatever your spiritual belief tells you. If you're right, that means everybody else is wrong. And so I think, I don't know. Isn't that wonderful? What if it's, what if we're all right? There is no right or wrong. Because that's a real Exa- option. Absolutely. Which then just adds to it. You are absolutely right, Russ. What if we're all right? That means we're all wrong. But no, it Look, means we're all right. action doesn't- we take has consequences. So sure. and it has a lesson attached if you're willing to learn the lesson. So if you look that's at it in that right. context, um, a lot of people will have problems with this statement. But I believe it to be true that there really is no, it's not necessarily a right or wrong answer. It's just different repercussions and lessons to learn. What do you think of that? I can, well, (laughs) I kind of preface all of this with my underlying blanket statement is since I don't know, it's only what I think, which, which is the best part because it's my thought. I don't give any credence to the fact that, well, I'm right. So this person must believe what I think. And so what it does is that strips away all – it makes it so incredibly personal. Like I might be right, but that other person, like we just said, maybe they're right too. We all get to be right. And so with that, there's this this peace and this calm in it. Like you know what? It doesn't really kind of matter what I think because if I'm right, if I think I'm right, then I am. That's my, I mean, Let me, you know, this goes back. I look at it like this, Mike, yeah. it's like, you know, we have what everybody has their own definitions of what's right and what's wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. But somewhere in there on this scale of things, you know, you've picked your own shade of gray. That's your little shade of what you believe to be true. But there's also Good all call. these other shades of gray that are attached to the same continuum. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, um, one is better than the other, but your definition of right and wrong is going to be different than mine, which means you that your shade of gray for that particular topic is going to be different because, you know, and every topic would have its own shade of gray just based on what you believe. You bet. So it's all connected, though, and I really do believe that they're in the big scheme of things. You know, people like to think of heaven and hell, which I have a hard time grasping and understanding that that's the, really the way it works. At least that's not right. my experience. And I just believe it's one energy and then you have the center of this thing, which is like it. And it's going to obviously it would feel better to be closer to the center of this thing than it might on the outer edges of this. If you look at it in in like levels of energy, do you follow me there? Absolutely. And such that and I haven't finished it yet because I think it's like 18 hours. But have you, in fact, read or listened to. Um, the law of one, the raw. Effect. I have, I'm aware of it, but no, I have not read it. You would recommend. I'll it. tell you what. 
It, yeah, okay. yeah, it's. I hope it's on Audible. I'm addicted to Audible. It is. It is. Oh, it, oh are you kidding me? Forget about right. it. I love Audible. Believe me, I've been listening. I've been looking uh, today. It I was is, looking for a new one to read, so um, or listen to, and that's going to be it. Thank you. It's well, it's fascinating in many ways. Um, and again, it's it's one interpretation. There are people that are going to say, "Oh, this is fake." I again, I don't care. Yeah. I'd listen to sure. it. And kind of predicated upon what you were saying, my belief about the whole thing, well, I don't have to come to a conclusive belief about it because I can listen to this and go, you know what? That makes sense. That would make sense yeah. to me. This Exactly. This makes sense. So what if this part of this is right and it connects to this thing over here, which is right, yada, yada, or, or, or the word for God? We look at it now in the 21st century, having come down through all these texts and scripts we call the Bible, which has been edited by man, yada, yada. And we look at it and we think, okay, well, we reach the point here where at this time when they were creating these scriptures, again, it could be any faith where they call this God, Allah, Yahweh, whatever the name is. But what if it's just the energy and they call it this name? We don't know. And that's the fascinating part. Yeah. That's the fascinating part. All, Absolutely. I, I believe we're all talking about the same energy. It's just different ways of getting to it. Why not? Yeah. Why, why not? Why not? Do you have any spiritual practices such as prayer or meditation or any esoteric <sighs> stuff or anything like that? Nothing. No. Um, well, like not prayer. Well, of course, prayer kind of leads to or it suggests like the, the kind of the standard accepted quote unquote religions. But I know it obviously doesn't have to be because a prayer could just be, well, praying can be just simple meditation. Well, if that's what prayer is to you, that's what it is. But of, no, not really. Let, let me, let me just ahead. say when, when people confuse the two and for me, the way I see, and I pray too, I mean, but you're, I pray meditation is my thing. That's what I do most of, but mm-hmm. prayer is like when you're talking to God, you're doing all the talking. Mm-hmm. It's going out here. Meditation is going within. So you're, oh. you're tapping the core energy of it. So it's just uh, two different ways of communicating with the, I, and I'm not even a big fan of the word divine, but it is it's, yeah, it's, it's a way of communicating to that. Absolutely. And really are the divine, that is a, a human word for a human concept, which to kind of, cause I wanted to say something about yeah. this when you mentioned heaven and hell. Um, see, to me, I hear those, you know, the concepts of heaven and hell and the descriptions thereof. <clears throat> and I think it, that's far too simple. It's far too simple. It's, it's too human of a construct, I think. Oh, where there's this hell and it goes on forever. And, and we, of course, our, our, the, the standard idea of what hell is, I don't believe is, was ever actually cited in the Bible or anything. I'm certainly no expert, but it's still a human concept. What we consider heaven and hell and pearly gates and yada, yada. These are human constructs. The divine, again, just a word we use to me. And I think you'll, you'll tap into this when you uh, listen to uh, the law of raw or the, the law of one. It's, it's so far beyond what we can comprehend, which again, to me is great. I, I think that in terms of what I believe, if you look at science, what we know about you know, the quantum realm, all this, yada, yada, there is so much out there that is just, it's beyond science fiction that for me to sit here as a, just as a human vessel, if you will, to sit here and think, you know what? I think I haven't figured out. How can I really have it figured out? If it's that so far beyond what we would call divine, the fact that we can conceive of what's going on, 
it's pretty presumptuous. It is. Maybe we can, but it may we be can, like words we use like energy and dimension. Exactly. It's like we're we're trying to conceive of this from a human three dimensional viewpoint. But it, we're yeah, limited I, because we're stuck in these bodies, you know. And that's yes, the lesson. I think that's probably the reason that we came here, you know, is to have that limitation to to learn stuff. I mean, it feels like a school to uh, me. Um, you're you're gut boy you're gonna love this book then it's 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 not hard to listen to it but it, it's not it's really not um it's wordy yeah. but i mean that doesn't mean anything yeah i've you heard will, of this book I think for a long gel. time so I'm, yeah, I, I'm glad you yeah. recommended it to bring it back to my purview that's beautiful good good because a lot of things a lot of things that you have said just even today that you will hear direct translations like things that you're talking about right now somewhat discussed in this book, in this this medium, this channel, that the, the well, I'll, I'll let you get there. But they discuss a lot of the things that you've mentioned here today, very specifically. In fact, why are we here? How we're here? How being in this the physical dimension in the human space, being a human being version of energy, is just yeah. you know, it's kind of a a stepping stone along the way. But there's only so much we can perceive in this dimension, in this third dimension in which we occupy. I was having this conversation with a friend just the other day. I mean, you know, it, yeah, it is beyond comprehension in the big scheme to, to see this in this body. But that's not the point. We don't have to see it beyond the, the every detail. If you can just grab bits and pieces of this thing, I think it, you can't prove it to anybody else. That's the thing. That's the thing. Nope. It, like you said, exactly. it's like it is a very personal thing. And it's a very for me. It's uh, what some people uh, call a uh, a relationship with this energy, and sure. it works. Um, it gives me information out of thin air, which just blows my mind. Things that I didn't know the answer to just moments ago, but because I asked in the right state of mind, I was given the information. That that to me is, I mean, I don't need any further proof for me, but for me to try to tell someone else and convince them that that is true is impossible. Right. It's impossible. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah, that's, is it my place to say, you know what, here's what I think, and you should listen to me. I mean, is it, when I say presumptuous, I just, you are trying to convey your, well, what, what you're talking about in terms of knowing the answer and everything, that is by definition the word faith. It is. Call it divine, like because it's God or whoever, it's faith. If you have faith that there's nothing, that's your faith. If you have faith, and your idea of faith is still just a word and it's a feeling that's still faith. Yep. Absolutely. I think you nailed it because at some point you know, on, in a personal level, if you're going the spiritual path, it becomes faith. It just does. There's no way you can move beyond that to just convince everybody else because you, you say what you've experienced, they're just going to fall for it. That's really not the way it's supposed to be anyway, as far as I can tell. Absolutely. It really is an individual experience, and each of us are here to learn different lessons. There's not one path to this thing. There are many paths to it. And there should be. Yeah, to think that yeah. there would be one is is it's ludicrous and it's so funny and it, what's really funny and, and this the, the irony of the human species but blink an eye and just yesterday you know in, in the annals of real time the idea that there were a million names for gods and there was animism and naturism and everybody kind of accepted that these people over on the other side of the mountain they've got their completely different set of gods and beliefs and their in, in their world, the trees and the rocks speak to them. And in our world, our gods look like us, but 
wield lightning bolts, etc. And it was right. cool. It was appreciated and was understood because it made sense to them. I, I wonder. I wonder. I bet they. I bet they were thinking they're just crazy. We got the answer. I mean, everybody else does not have the answer, and I wish they could see it the way we see it. I think, and that's largely true even today. Oh, oh, you know? sure. Yeah, everybody. You should believe the way I believe. You know, well, use the tools I use. Well, then, and I, I encourage people. That's why I say it's all connected, man. Everybody should find their own tools. You know? Oh, absolutely. Well, sure. Just for if for no other reason than to to take those tools, which are obvious tools of faith, to get you from this iteration of life, whatever you want to call it, if you believe in energy, obviously, this iteration, this third dimensional iteration we are in to get you through this one. And then if you believe in reincarnation, for instance, what have you learned in this iteration? Just take those ideas of faith. If you go on to the next one, all of these lessons will add up. You will either go up or down in the caste system, yada, yada. Um, Listen, I do only have a couple more questions for you, though, man. And, and the last one, I have a feeling you probably haven't put a whole lot of thought into based on what you we just discussed. But maybe you have. Maybe you really have figured this one out. I have my own understanding, just like everybody else does. What do you think happens when we die? Hmm. Yeah, this is going to be such a cheap answer because I just I just don't know. Um, I don't. I don't know. Personally, it, the idea that what, what, what do we know conclusively? Everything is energy. Everybody knows, oh, right? There you Everything go. is energy. Look, this is why you're so smart. Because ultimately, what you just said, you deduced very quickly. I could tell you know you haven't put a ton of thought into that answer, but you came up with it right away. Because if you'll think about this logically, everything is energy. You can't kill or create energy. It's got to go somewhere. You did that in a matter of seconds. That's why I'm just so gosh darn smart, Russ. Yeah, man. And if you don't I think mean, I'm seriously. smart, boy, I'll tell you that I am. No, but but real, but no, really though. <laughs> if if I know that, if I know, if I drop a thing, it's going to fall on the ground. Why? Because I know gravity's a thing. It's not. I don't just have faith it's going to fall on the ground. I understand scientifically it's a measurable thing. There's gravity as a, as mind blowing as gravity really is as a concept, such that we can't really conceive of it. It's kind of the same idea. Everything is energy. I know that. So when I'm gone, what happens to the to the to this mental to the ego? What the, the energy of the ego? What happens to that? Does it dissipate? Yep. Is that possible? Where does it go? Does it stay in the ground with my body? Do you think that's do, possible? Do I think that it dissipates? Well, again, yeah. anything is possible. Could it become a different state of energy? Use your logic just as quickly well, then, as you did a moment ago um, and think yes, about this. I do, because if energy can dissipate and become a different kind of energy, why not? Yeah, but it's just I a different, you see, it's just transformation, right? It has, sure. It's just changing into something else. Is that what you're describing? Yep. It's never gone then, right? If right, it changes exactly. into something else, it just, it's never gone. True, right. So when we say reincarnation, then maybe say, well, if my energy comes back as a rock or a tree, they are energy. They yeah, are. Think about this, though, Mike. I mean, energy is not just reserved to the earth. Energy is everything beyond universes. Yep. Um, yep. It's all connected. Every bit of this at some level. You know, when I try to describe how connected everything is, it's like when comparison to fish to water, humans to air, right? It, it makes mm -hmm. us appear like it's separate. But it's not really. It's all connected. Every bit of it's connected. Yeah. 
Couldn't agree more. It's my favorite question. I love to ask people what they think is going to happen when we die. I believe this real quick. I don't normally say this, but since you didn't have a, a strong idea, what I think is this. I'm going to plant an idea in your head to cool. consider. In one moment, this energy is trapped in this body. And then the next moment, it's just outside the body. And then who knows what happens from there, but it just, you know, and it can, you know, it's, it's not trapped in this vessel to keep it from being fluid and going off to something else. So that's sort of what I think happens. How do people get in touch with you, Mike? They, uh, right now my, my website is being rebranded because I'm adding the Ted talk and the website yeah. to it or the, the, uh, the podcast to it that will be Mike for now. Um, just contact me through any of the socials. You can look me up on YouTube. If you just type in Strasbaugh and, and honestly, right now you could just say, just send me an email to my personal address. That would be fine. Let's spell it uh, one more time. It's S T R A U S B A U G H. Yep, exactly. So that is Strasbaugh. Um, and it's just Strasbaugh.michael at Gmail. If they want to contact me via email. Otherwise, yeah, they can contact me through any of the social medias. Yep. And how do they listen to your podcast? That is, they can find it uh, at the Strasbaugh Show. It's on. It's on Apple. Apple Podcasts. Beautiful, Mike. I've enjoyed this conversation. I really did. As have I, Russ. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. And if you think you might be a good guest for this show, there are a couple of ways to reach out to me. First of all, I want to talk about everything spiritual. I want to talk about your personal growth, physics, quantum physics, remote viewing, past life regressions, out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, astrology, plant medicines. Heck, it's all listed on my website. If you're interested, you can reach out to me at 864-259-2599 or on my website at russjohnson.com. It's all connected. 